Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. I visited with some of the uh, folks from uh, Mississippi Land Bank yesterday. Had lunch with them. And uh, said, I sure do wish that I could call on your services. I've got land on the brain. Just can't afford it right now. So uh, probably need to do a little better job saving to uh, to get ready for that. So I can use Mississippi Land Bank in the same way that I encourage you to. Whether you're a farmer or you're just building a dream home in the country, Mississippi Land Bank. Check them out online in North Mississippi, mslandbank.com. Borky, what's up? Oh, just two weeks away from college football actually starting. No big deal. How about that? Two weeks and two days, right? There, there well, aren't any Thursday th- night games of week zero. No, but we're two weeks away from the, the first Thursday where there's actually games oh, more than... Oh, yeah. oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. We're a week from Saturday from real football. Yeah, but it's just one game. But if you're talking full slate, like oh, regular start of... Yeah, but you just have one game. Yeah, but you can watch a game at 6 and then watch a game at 9. Yeah, and you can watch a bunch of preseason games this weekend if you want to. Yeah, I guess so. I I guess so. So yeah, two weeks from tonight, a bunch of games, and then uh, two weeks from Saturday, that first full slate of the college football season. Borky, uh, sorry, Rippy, how are you? Good. You made a quick road trip today, huh? I did, very quick. Went to uh, went to the hometown for a uh, a dental appointment. I did. How'd that go? Not well. Hate the dentist. <laughs> I'm sure your dentist is a nice guy or gal. Yeah, I just don't like going to the dentist. Why are you so anti dentist? I don't like people scraping on my teeth. I know it's kind of weird stuff I'm into. Don't like it. Uh so you're 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 one of those people with like a dentist phobia. I don't know if it's like a phobia, but I'd rather do a lot of things in including probably lose a finger or a toe to never have to go to the dentist again. You would give up a finger or a toe? Probably a toe. You would give up a toe to never have to go to the dentist again? Yeah. Not like a, for the remainder of your life? Not a fan of the dentist. Didn't get any candy either. I think, yeah, you might have grown out of that. Uh, hey, Dad, are you anti-dentist also? This is fascinating. I went to the dentist today as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly anti-dentist, but you know, you're not gonna, you can't call me up and say on a Friday night, "Hey, you want to get your teeth scraped?" I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be in for that. Would you give up a finger or a toe to not have to ever go to the dentist again? I would not. I don't think so. Uh, it, it doesn't bother me that much. And I've seen the effects of not having a finger, uh, uh, and it's not it's not pretty. So don't don't do it. <laughs> There's your Bob Carr Scadden reference on a Thursday. There it is. Uh, so what was the uh, 
What was the result of your dental visit, Rippy? Uh, oh, Rippy. Go ahead, hey, Dad. Uh, mine was okay. I got to get a couple fillings uh, in a few months, but uh, pretty you good. You got cavities? Multiple cavities? I had I, a cavity, I, I got too. a couple cavities. It's the first so. one since I was like 11. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for you guys. I'm not sure I was fully... Well, I'm never mind. I'm not going to say that. What? It's been so long since I've had a cavity, I'm not sure I was fully toilet trained, but I was definitely older than that. <laughs> it has been a while, though. I, was I hope by 11 you were toilet no, yeah, trained. No, I think it was single digits age last time I had a cavity. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. But it, I had one of these weird spurts where I'd been a very long time since I went to the dentist, and I think this cavity was a result of that, like talking three years. I went through a phase probably in college where I would, like, drink a Coke before I went to sleep at night. Now you're speaking Hey Dad's language. And, well, so I, went, well, I went through that phase uh, that it, it ended in February of 2019. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm saying, like, Brush my teeth, get in the bed, got a Coke on the bedside table, and would drink it and then roll over and go to sleep. And apparently that's like akin to, I don't know, drinking diesel fuel. If I don't know. I'm just assuming that putting diesel fuel on a nightly basis on your teeth would not be good for them. Probably the rest of your body, too. So at one point I went to, uh, I went to my dentist. And I was like, I got some teeth stuff. It, well, you've got a couple of cavities. Yeah, okay. Not <laughs> so, teeth not, stuff. That's yeah. what the man said. Um, he said we need to, we need to, you know, do the X-rays and whatever. And he came back. He's like, all right, we need to put together a treatment plan. I was like, okay. He's like, you got a lot of work that needs to be done. Never had braces. Probably should have somewhere along the way, but didn't. And so he laid out the uh, the treatment plan. I said, I'm sorry. How much is this going to cost? He's like, well, I mean, you know, you've got dental insurance, and that covers $1,000 of it. I said, no, that wasn't my question. How much is this going to cost? It was $23,000 worth of dental work. To this day, not all of that dental work has been done. So it was, you know, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. But over the course of about four years, I had seven root canals. Take care of your uh, teeth, kids. So you're able to have any more root canals, or did you reach the limit? No, I don't know that there is a uh, that there's a limit. Well, you only have so many teeth. Well, I understand that. I think I have more than seven teeth. I'm quite confident I have more than seven teeth, actually. Fair enough. I didn't know if seven was the lifetime total. Uh, yeah. Set, well, no, I mean, that's the number of root canals. That, at one point, I had two root canals in one sitting. Anyway. Oof. Yeah. This is all bad. One, yeah, one on top, one on bottom. So uh, I guess the dentist doesn't really bother me. It's just kind of like, okay, this is not terribly fun. I think I only did gas for one of them, too. It was like, it doesn't really do anything. Really like, yeah, it supposedly kind of takes the edge off. Have you ever done the laughing gas, Borky, at the dentist? Uh, yeah, um, I had braces for seven years because I wouldn't wear the rubber bands. So uh, seven years. Yeah, and it finally got to the point where I started, uh, like what you would bite into something hard and one would chip off, and I, I finally like had one that was loose, and I started like kind of breaking off the other ones, and had to go back to the orthodontist, and he said, "Just forget it, take it off. We're getting nowhere." So are your teeth straight now? 
It, see, it wasn't about so much as them being crooked. It was more about my jaw, and they decided to put braces on with the rubber bands to get my jaw to go forward, even though, I, I don't know. It, they didn't do anything about it. It didn't make any sense, and I was a defiant uh, little butt I bet it cost, teenager. I bet it cost a lot of money, too. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. But uh, as far as the dentist goes, I actually like it. Uh, the feeling after you get a full cleaning from the dentist, I love it. I, I just I feel like... You know when you do a whole bunch of yard work or something? You feel accomplished? I don't know why. I get the same feeling when I leave the dentist, when I get a good cleaning. feels great. Okay, I'm certainly Borky. not anti-dentist, but that's a little odd. Yeah, what? Borky, Borky you're weird, dude. Uh, you're just you're weird. <laughs> I like being clean. I don't know. That's just I mean, me. I do too. Me but... too. That's why I take a shower every day. Well, yeah. but there's more parts of your body that need to be clean, and inside of your mouth is one of them. So when that happens and... Uh, you know what else I do every day? Usually multiple times a day? I brush my teeth. Not the same, though. Not the same as when they get in there with the scraper and do all that stuff. No way. Yeah. Thorough, man. Fair enough. Uh, So it was dental hygiene day for Haydad and Rippy. You guys could have gone together and, like, held hands while you were in the chair. Like, gotten side-by-side chairs, been there for moral support. We didn't get the real question answered today, though. Or we haven't yet, anyway. Did you get your pralines? Yes, I did. Um, uh, uh, so did some other people in the uh, office, apparently. <laughs> um, Not me. I, w- I didn't know where they were to tell Rippy to find them, so you can't yeah, blame I me. Went, I went and scooped them up. Uh, so so Rippy rescued the uh, pralines from... Um, Is it praline or praline? I think it's pralines. What do people up north say? I've always heard praline, but... Why, why, why do we care what people up north say because the different pronunciations is usually a north south thing uh so two different types of prowlings these are courtesy of amanda in pike county who is a regular listener it's been uh been with us for a long time she's an lsu fan and apparently i said something that was complimentary of lsu one day i think i was complimenting their game day atmosphere and how i got goosebumps um on the uh, the back of my neck when the uh, the LSU band uh, would do their pregame deal, and so as a result, she wanted to uh, to send me pralines. She says, by the way, praline is the correct uh, correct pronunciation. She says, who cares what a Yankee says? So we've got uh, got two kinds. Let's see here. Wrap. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you exactly Amanda. what they are when they come from the break. No. I'll say I'll say it correctly, and I'll call Joe Burrow the best quarterback in college football for some. If you want to send me some, I'll share. Well, when am I going to see you? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you've got a car next Thursday. That's right. Yeah. There you go. I don't know well, if these will still be left on. Uh, we've got uh, honey pralines made with locally grown honey from a farm in Liberty. I think it's Henderson Farm, and then also Cajun pralines. Oh, with uh, syrup uh, from Summit King's Packing and uh, Packing Company in Summit is where the uh, maple syrup came from. So, going to dive into these here in uh, in just a bit. Thanks for uh, the courier service, Rippy. No problem. We'll discuss payment later. Uh, yeah, get my filling for me. Sports. <laughs> I don't know about that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Um, 
If you will oblige me just for a moment, we're going to get to some headlines, just stuff that's happening all over the sports world. None of them necessarily merit a ton of time, but I think uh, some interesting stuff to get to this afternoon. But before we do that, um, Sports Talk Mississippi, and, and this is incredibly trivial, lost a uh, an extremely loyal listener last night. Uh, my good friend Charles Walker passed away at about 9.15 last night, surrounded by family and uh, a few friends at uh, Baptist Hospital here in Oxford. He is one of the kindest and most generous men I have ever known in my life. Since uh, the late 90s, Charles had uh, battled leukemia, and his body was just tired, and there was no fight left in it. He was uh, an attorney, but he was an attorney that didn't really like um, litigiousness. He he would be he he would be the attorney that uh, made fun of attorneys, in a, in a loving way, but he he would he would like a good lawyer joke. He was an avid outdoorsman. Um, one of the things that Charles gave me years ago was his quail hunting diary. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of his legal background or just because of his love of the outdoors, but he kept a meticulous diary of every single quail hunt that he ever went on. And at the end of each season, there would be a summary that outlined the number of birds that he shot, and would talk about the weather conditions for that particular year and the areas that he had hunted and the friends with which he had hunted. And it was a really fascinating thing and something that I certainly treasure. Uh, when he when he killed his 5,000th quail, 5,000 of them, you got to realize we haven't had birds like that in North Mississippi in probably 20 years now. He retired his Browning shotgun, and there is a shadow box, like a, a almost a, I don't know, five or six foot tall shadow box that has the entire outfit that he was wearing when he shot his 5,000th quail. The hat, the uh, the overalls, the shirt, the jacket, and it's um, kind of a, a memento that has hung on the wall of the farmhouse. If you've listened to this show for a long time, uh, you will remember that uh, it's been, oh, probably five, six, maybe seven years ago since we've done this. But there were a number of times that um, in the fall, this show originated from the porch at Charles's farm. Uh, we had the ability to do some remote broadcasts, and uh, on particularly nice days we would do that. That was where one day Billy Cannon joined us on the radio and uh, some other folks that happened to kind of make their way through town from uh, from time to time that were friends of Charles from different uh, different areas. Um, I realize I'm waxing poetic a little bit, but this is uh, one of the most special men that I've ever known. And my best wishes to his sweet and dear wife, Mary, who has... Um, shown what a godly life uh, wife looks like for many, many years in the way that she has taken care of him through all of the illnesses that he's faced. 
uh, to his children, Jonathan, who is two years older than I am and is one of my closest friends, and his two daughters, um, Caroline and Mary Beth. Your dad was loved by more people than you were ever, ever know and did more good quietly for people than almost anyone I've ever come across. And so we will miss Charles as a listener to Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll miss him as a friend and miss him as a really, really good man. His funeral will be on uh, on Sunday in Oxford at uh, 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon at the uh, the Methodist Church here. So thanks for indulging me for that. Um, just wanted to, to get that out. and There was no easy way to get into it, no real easy way to get out uh, out of it either. Uh, but we will move on. No, uh, no, many of you that listen, uh, maybe that attended Ole Miss, had Charles for a, a business law class or uh, a real estate class somewhere along the way, and so many of you know him, and uh, many others would recognize him as the uh, public address voice of Vaught Hemingway Stadium. He did that from 1987 through 1997. That big booming va- bass voice. Hey, Dad, you'll appreciate this. Uh, he was he he was not a rah rah public address announcer. He was. Um, he was kind of nothing but the facts. It was a big, deep, booming voice, and it was just the down and distance and who made the tackles and who made the catches. Except for one day when he was going through SEC scores around the SEC, and I think it was LSU and Mississippi State. And and Charles actually grew up in North Carolina, where he was able to uh, to listen to WWL, uh, and so he grew up listening to LSU football games. Um, and so when he announced the score on uh, one particular fall afternoon, it was LSU 21, State College 20. <laughs> and, and people, as you would imagine, got a, uh, a pretty big kick out of that. So um, anyway, wanted to, uh, wanted to share that this afternoon. It was a pretty uh, it was a sad night last night, but it was a, uh, a special night for, uh, for his family and some of his very close friends as well. All right. Headlines. Borky, let's walk through these. Uh, you are probably the biggest NBA guy among us. Boogie Cousins is injured once again, this time an ACL, which means out for the year. This guy just can't stay healthy, and that's a little bit of a blow for the Lakers. Yeah, and that poor dude took a gamble on himself and lost miserably. If you remember, uh, he was offered a two-year, $40 million deal to stay in New Orleans. He chose to bet on himself, go get a ring on a one-year deal in Golden State, and then get back into the NBA that way. Tore his Achilles, tore his, cat, or his quad, and now he has torn his ACL while training, Jeez. getting ready for this season. In three consecutive years, three debilitating lower body injuries. And for a guy his size, you imagine that uh, it may just be about it for him. You know, the ACL is a huge deal and the Achilles is a huge deal, but of those three injuries, a torn quad muscle to me sounds the most painful. I don't know why, but the idea of tearing like a major muscle in your leg just sounds just awful. Ugh. Not good for Boogie Cousins. Connor McGregor, the MMA fighter, back in the news again today for something that he did back in April. That was punching an old man in the face in a bar in Dublin. Yeah, and the video is just as bad as it sounds. It, it was a verbal discussion over Connor was clearly drunk in a bar taking multiple whiskey shots in a row. They had some words for each other. He walked away for a second, came back, and sucker punched 
a clearly very old man in this Dublin bar. And uh, no arrests have been made, at least as far as uh, as has been reported yet. But instead of being back in the news for like scheduling a fight and retaining his title as the greatest fighter in the world, he continues to throw dollies into uh, tour buses and punch old men. So the fall from the greatest of all time to just a goat has been uh, kind of sad to see. Sounds like he's got the brain of a goat. Yeah. Uh, repeatedly getting punched in the head and elbowed in the head and kneed in the head probably has some chronic effects. Who'd have thought? Saints fans, you will love this. And I think if you're just a fan of big events, you're glad to hear this because the Superdome has become outdated. You know, you had the, the major renovation after Hurricane Katrina, uh, where they kind of redid everything and reopened the Mercedes Benz Superdome. But if you go in that and then compare it to other more modern stadiums around the NFL and around the country, it's not even close. The, the the corridors behind the seats in the lower level to the concession stands are cramped. It's hard to move around in there. It's a fun building, and New Orleans is a great event town. You may have re- you may remember this from a few months back when they said that they were going to renovate the Superdome. Well, it has been approved. $450 million worth of upgrades to the Superdome have been officially approved today, and they will be completed over the course of four off-seasons. The majority of the renovations are kind of the guts of the stadium. They're going to put a new entrance on the building, a new field club level uh, that gives them some revenue opportunities as well. And they're doing it <clears throat> excuse me, so they can continue to host big events. On the docket for New Orleans, college football playoff national championship game, Final Four, and the Super Bowl. And the biggest reason that this is being done is so New Orleans can continue to host Super Bowls. Borky, am I right here? New Orleans has hosted more Super Bowls than any other city in the United States. Is that I, right? I believe so, yeah. And like a third of this money is coming from Gail Benson herself, which is a, a neat little twist because most of these new stadium projects just rely entirely on public money. Uh, no, she's ponying it up herself. So Gail Benson on the hook for about $150 million of the, uh, the upgrades. And you'll be surprised by this. Harvey Updike... Back in court because he has not paid the fine. He was ordered to pay $800,000 in restitution to Auburn. He's paid less than 5000 of it. Last year, he made two payments of $200 each. He's in trouble again. Coming up a little bit later this afternoon on the Farm Bureau phone line, John Cox will join us. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. We'll check in on Southern Miss's fall camp. The SEC coaches, or media relations people if you prefer, have released the first, second, and third all-SEC teams for football season. We'll get that for you in the College Football Fix a little bit later this afternoon. Um, Borky, do you want to walk us through this? So Michael Avenatti, the... You, you you always call him the porn star lawyer. The disgraced porn star lawyer. Yeah, he's actually... You know, if, if this documentation that he's got isn't falsified in any way, which I guess uh, maybe there's reason to believe that it is, considering his criminal past, he's got some pretty damning stuff uh, against Nike, and he filed it uh, a motion uh, in, uh, in a court, I guess it's in New York, right, um, that alleges that Nike and people that work for Nike at least intended on paying multiple basketball players, the most notable being Zion Williamson, 
uh, around a total of $70,000. He's got text messages, he's got emails, he's got all kinds of documentation that shows that uh, this was at least discussed. Now, he doesn't have anything that says that those payments took place, but he has documentation (laughs) that he submitted in court that says that Nike at least was planning on and and doing all the things necessary to get the money together and put it in the right channels to get money to these kids. And by the way, before I, I let you guys talk, if Duke only got Zion Williamson for $35,000, that is the steal of the century. Fantastic investment. Uh, okay, let's backtrack just for a second. So Avenatti is the lawyer that represented, the reason Borky calls him the porn star lawyer, he represented, what was her name? Stormy, Stormy Daniels. Daniels. Represented Stormy Daniels in her failed uh, allegations <laughs> against the President of the United States. Right? Yeah, that uh, ultimately cost her money. Like, she had to pay the President because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so that didn't work out. And then he's been hit with a bunch of criminal charges and is being investigated for fraud and some other things. And, oh, by the way, was trying to extort money from Phil Knight and Nike. He was asking for hush money from Nike to not make some of this stuff public. So I'm not saying that anything he is testifying is necessarily false. I'm just saying he doesn't have a history of being the most um, scrupulous guy on the planet. Yeah, and he he's claiming that he didn't extort Nike at all. There's a quote in the story that I read that said, the evidence shows I should have never been arrested, let alone charged. I was targeted. Nike, Zion, and Duke, and many others have some explaining to do. Uh, Nike responded by saying, Nike will not respond to the allegations of an individual facing federal charges of fraud and extortion. Nike will continue its cooperation with the government's investigation into grassroots basketball and the related extortion case. Avenatti's arrest and his charges by federal prosecutors stemmed from his alleged attempt to extort up to $25 million from Nike by threatening to expose the shoe company's alleged improper payments to high-profile players in its grassroots basketball And if you remember, the feds have that recorded because he called Nike and told them he had this information and he won't release it if they give him money. And Nike said, yeah, hold on, just give us a few days. Called the feds, called him back, and the feds were tapping the phone call where they have him recorded trying to extort Nike. So, you know. But but he says, I never should have been arrested or charged. I was targeted. Yeah, you were targeted. Yes, you were. After you targeted Nike for their money. <laughs> it still does beg the question. And because it's this guy, nothing's ever going to happen to it. But it's still, and I've asked this question before, and no, nobody has a real answer. Why is it that only executives from Adidas got in trouble in this thing? When there is, besides this guy's evidence, there is documentation that Nike was involved in the exact same scheme. There's records and everything, but only Adidas guys got in trouble. Why is that the case? Power of the swoosh. Jumpman and whatnot. Hey, I don't want to you know, put my tinfoil hat on here. What if Nike tipped off the feds on this? Helped them? Yeah, 
I don't know. Helped them draw the path on how market to... advantage. Hey, it worked. Hey, Dan, were you going to jump in and say something? No, but I mean that's an interest. You know, I love a good conspiracy theory, and that's a really good one, Borky. That's 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 putting two to, two and two together, and, and actually getting four. It makes sense, doesn't it? Occam's razor. Yeah. That's not the most unplausible thing I've ever heard, or implausible. What do you do with the Avenetti story, Rippy? I don't know. None of this stuff really interests me until we get to a bottom line if anything actually happens from this. Is anything happening? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, hey, aren't, shouldn't, aren't we close to um, getting some more notice of allegations dropped on some of this basketball stuff? Didn't? Yeah, we're waiting till the end of July. That's when it's coming. That's what it originally said, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. So, and so far, what here. is it? Only NC State? Uh, yes. That would be kind of funny, though, if the only one that got hammered was NC State. Which which gives like a new punchline to an old joke about, what, uh, what was it, the, the NCAA so mad at fill-in-the-blank that Kent, Kent State got the death penalty? So now it's the NCAA so mad at Duke and North Carolina that NC State gets a notice of allegations? <laughs> Although God, Mark like Godfrey is, uh, has kind of made his own bed. He has. He has. But still, bigger fish to fry. But they don't seem concerned with frying. Uh, so the the guys that are kind of at the center of this, Borky, you mentioned Zion, Romeo Langford that played at um, at Indiana, and some kid that went to Michigan as well. And they're talking twenty grand for Langford, thirty five thousand for Zion, and fifteen uh, k for the player that went to Michigan. So not massive money. No, that's the thing. When people throw out, and I guess the basketball investigation kind of ruined this perception because there were some guys that hundreds of thousands were thrown out there. But when you're talking recruiting in college football. And conspiracy people throw out, oh, this player, I know he got 250000 Cam Newton didn't get 250000 The money is not as big as people think it is. I thought the Cam Newton number was one eighty. It was one eighty. Yeah. Still pretty big. Yeah, it's massive. But he would have won a national championship for what? Over under 100 Division One teams that year. Oh, under. I'm being a little facetious, but, I mean, any team in the Power Five that would have signed him probably wins a national championship. No. No, it had to be the right team. I mean, he was great, but he had to have players around him. They had other players. They had a running game. They had some receivers. You say that, though. Auburn the year before that was 8-5. and They were thoroughly mediocre. And then the year after went 3-9. and No, it was the next year. The next year. But yeah, they went from eight and five to fourteen and zero to eight and five. I, I think it's fair to say that any college football team would have at least been in the discussion to win a national title with Cam Newton doing what he could do. Um, Ole Miss wouldn't have that year. I can promise you that. We all had the next best thing that year, and Jeremiah Masoli. Who's the? <laughs> they did have the Jeremiah Masoli, but that's kind of my point. Ole Miss would not have. And, and, and Borky, I know you're dealing in a little bit of hyperbole here. I, I understand that, but. It still took the right team. Now, if Cam Newton had gone to Mississippi State, yes, I think Mississippi State was a team that year that could have been in the conversation. You could flip Ole Miss's record that year at least. You could. From three and nine to nine oh, and three? Four, four and eight, eight to eight and four? Yeah. 
Oh, I would agree with that. But the, that, there's a big difference in that and winning a national championship. Four and eight was the Houston night. Fifty years. It ain't all doom and gloom. Is that what he said? <laughs> you don't remember this weird press conference he had? I can't remember. I mean, I, I remember the 50-50. Yeah. yeah. 50. 50 years. There were a lot of weird press conferences. Well, when his daughter asked about uh, the uniform selection and then used the phrase negative Nancy's in this room, that was a fun one. I just remember the one where they announced that he was being fired, but he was going to coach the rest of the year, and one of his assistant coaches, I, I don't remember who it was. I don't want to. I don't want to name the wrong guy. Don't name any guys then. He was like, what? What they said? He yeah. was like standing in the back of the room, and he's like, in the middle of the press, he's like, I got your back, H. <laughs> really? Huh? <laughs> now, I didn't know that. I will. I will readily admit that it's possible that I'm not remembering that verbatim, but I do remember a large assistant coach that was on Houston Nut staff speaking up from the back of the room in one of those moments where you're like, that was weird. <laughs> there was a lot of weird that went along with that. Borky is convinced that this is the creepiest story that you will hear today. We've got it for you when you come back. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Renaissance Bank Studio streaming online at supertalk.fm. During the break, Rippy decided to get into a bit of a YouTube wormhole <laughs> going down the uh, the Houston Nut Worm Trail. <laughs> you found some gold, didn't you? Yeah, couldn't finish. There's, we still got two and a half minutes left of this video. Houston Nut called into a radio show to call out a columnist. Yeah, it was Wally Hall. Yeah, said they blamed the me. The columnist said that Houston Nut blamed the media for being ninth in the SEC in recruiting. And Houston Nutt's response was, no one blamed the media. We've been ninth for a while. (laughs) I don't really know what that defense means. but Well, and I mean, there was the infamous press conference when he was at Ole Miss. And what was it? Neil McCready had made a prediction of the score to, what was it, a game against LSU? It was Arkansas. And it was, what was it? Wasn't no 49 to 10, was it, Neil? If it shows you how outdated Houston Nutt is, this says... Wally ain't talked to me about any of this. He got it from somebody, either the internet or somebody's mother, who's been disgruntled. <laughs> I don't know what Ben's disgruntled means, but... Do we miss Houston Nutt being in the SEC? Yep. He's killing it on the analysis. Offensive line play, Jeremy Tinsel. Oh, yeah, that happened not too long ago, didn't it? Or was that a while back? I don't know. I don't want to get a call from Tom Marsh. So I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. Probably uh, just as well. All right, Borky. So this doesn't fall into the category of dumb criminal news. It just falls into the category of really strange behavior. Yeah, like this, if you told me this was a new horror movie coming out, I would believe you. So in Virginia, story comes from the Washington Post, a man delivered a bunch of televisions to random houses, but not like in the block in the box flat screen televisions, like old tube style televisions. Think TVs from 1998, tube style flat screen TVs. 
You remember, you remember when we got away from like the curved screen and you went to the flat screen? I think Sony was one of the first to do those. And those were a big deal, but they were massive and they weighed a million pounds. So this guy in Virginia went to more than 50 houses in Enrico County, Virginia, and over the weekend left old-style televisions on their front doorsteps. Which is strange enough, but there's video that shows this guy doing this with a computer monitor on his head, like it's a football helmet. Like there is a head hole that has been cut out of the bottom of a computer monitor, and it looks like there's some sort of padding so he doesn't scratch up his neck. So he has his head inside a computer monitor and is carrying televisions up and setting them on the front porches of houses in Virginia. And in one of the videos, you can see the video. I guess people have Ring or Watch, I think the two companies are, where you put the little camera right underneath your doorbell. And he notices one and gives this creepy little wave to the, the doorstep camera after he puts the TV down and walks off. Would you be upset or concerned if this guy had left a television on your front doorstep? I'd be terrified. Why? I thought this was America, that you could just do stuff like that. Did I miss a meeting? This sounds like freedom in action. Well, I mean, I guess you probably have trespassing on there. You could argue littering, maybe. Do the TVs I'm not sure work? that he's done anything else wrong, though. Do the TVs work? They, they seem so old that uh, you wouldn't want it, even if it did work. I, I agree with that. Nobody wants it. But, I mean, if they work, I mean, it's, you know, it's a gift. I just, if that happened to me, like, I would, I would call somebody. Like, make sure this isn't going to explode if I move it. I, I was going to say, are you are you confident in plugging this television into the wall and pressing power? Not at all, especially after seeing the wave. If it like if you saw on camera that I was just like a fraternity prank or something, a bunch of nineteen year olds like ran up there and laughed and put a TV down and ran away. No, this guy is literally wearing a computer monitor on his head, waving to your ring camera. I'm not trusting anything at all that that guy does. It's just, I, I, I don't think that I have a problem with this other than it's just strange. A little creepy. Maybe a lot creepy. But more than anything, just weird and strange. What would you do with the television, hey, Dad? Put it on the curb. You can't even donate those to, like, charity. If you go to the Palmer home with one of those TVs, they'll tell you no thanks. <laughs> and I'm, t- I'm speaking from experience on that. Oh really? Oh yeah. You're we, talking about like the 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 thrift the old, store. Yeah, if you yeah, they won't take them. So so like, you can't take a TV like that to Goodwill. No, nah, they don't want them. They got too many of them. When we <laughs> first got a flat screen, we tried to donate. They're like, we don't want it. So they have a nighttime drop off. We just went around there and just left it there because what do we want? It's in, it's in the car at that point. We're just going to get rid of it. Why didn't you just find a dumpster? The the, the night drop off was closer. You were convinced that somebody could use it, or it was just more convenient for you. A little both. Fair enough. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Renaissance Bank Studio. 100 teams in 100 days. We are coming back home to Mississippi when we come back in the Renaissance Bank Studio. 
Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. If you're a farmer with equipment needs, time to buy a new tractor or some other equipment for the farm, or maybe you need to refinance an existing loan, maybe you need to buy a piece of property or get your production loan, if you're not already doing business with Mississippi Land Bank, it's time to give them a call. If you're in North Mississippi, they serve the northern northern 32 counties in the state, then either stop by a branch location, they are scattered across North Mississippi, or just go to the website, find the phone number, and give them a call. Talk to them about your needs and let them help you the way they have with uh, so many other folks. Uh, Tons and tons and tons of farmers all over North Mississippi use Mississippi Land Bank. They've been loaning money. Uh, lending money, financing, and refinancing loans for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com. Counting you down, we are getting closer and closer. Two weeks from today, we've got football, um, at least a bunch of games. We are nine days away from week zero games. 16 days away from the first full Saturday of the college football season, the week one games, and we're counting you down 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Team number 16 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. A team that many of you are extremely familiar with, Mississippi State Bulldogs. Underrated fight song. It's quite good. It's got the uh, it's got the right mix of brassiness and drums and like big tubas and flutes and the whole deal. It's a good one. You would agree, right, Hey Dad? I would agree. It's 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 a good fight song. Yeah, I had that conversation. I, I, I'm like kind of a fight song connoisseur. I love band music, like marching band music, and uh, have had that conversation with folks before. Mississippi State re- probably not, not recognized. As one of the iconic fight songs, but it's really, really good. Bulldogs went eight and five last year. Uh, wins against Stephen F. Austin, Kansas State, and Louisiana to start the year. Back-to-back losses at Kentucky and Florida. Beat Auburn. Lost at Mississippi State. Back-to-back wins: twenty-eight thirteen over A and M, forty-five to three over Louisiana Tech. Shut out by Alabama, twenty-four to nothing on the road. Bounce back and beat Arkansas 52-6. to And then no trouble with Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, 35-3. to Played in the Outback Bowl against Iowa. Lost that game 27-22. to We talked about this some yesterday, but the last five years, really probably could stretch it back a little farther than that if you wanted to. Remarkably consistent and historically significant for Mississippi State. Eight wins last year, 9-17. and A little bit of a down year in 2016 when they went 6-7. and uh, nine and four in 2015. You go back to the 2014 season. It was a 10-win campaign for Mississippi State. Um, hey, Dad, we 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 spent so much time 
talking about Mississippi State, and, and this is a, a much different way to look at them than – or maybe looking at them in this series is a lot different than the way we've taken teams from all over the country. If we're talking about a Big Ten team or a Pac-12 team or, or whatever. Um, yesterday was, was kind of an expectations conversation. Yeah. What's the – What's the single biggest storyline for Mississippi State this year? For me, it's you know, as I believe Tommy Stevens is going to win the quarterback job. Okay. It accelerates your what you should expect from Moorhead. You know, if he had, if Stevens had never come on the radar and he'd gone into this year and Keaton Thompson was the quarterback and the offense struggled again. You could still say, well, he didn't recruit Keaton Thompson. That's not his kind of quarterback. And, you know, you got to let him try to get his guy in here. Stevens eliminates that. So if State's not good offensively this year, you can feel pretty, I feel pretty confident in saying, okay, maybe it's not good. It sounds like it's going to work out with Moorhead. But if State is good offensively this year, then you can say, okay, obviously when Moorhead gets the kind of quarterback that fits his system, State can be very, very good. Are you at all surprised with the way that Joe Moorhead has been able to recruit so far? A little. Because he's he he's different than a lot of the coaches in the SEC and or I don't know that he's different, but he's from a different place. Right. But I mean So is Nick Saban yeah. though. See, so is Nick Saban, and, and you know, not everybody has to be a Southern guy to recruit down here. And, and that was one of the first. Que- I mean, when he took the job, that was one of the first questions I asked him, and he and he made it really. He's like, recruiting is recruiting. It's about relationships. It's about you know walking into that house and and being able to sell the player on on your plan for them and the parents on on, on your plan on their your plan for their son. And and he felt like he was confident and able to do that. And you know, I think he's put good recruiters around him. I thought, you know, last year he brought in Charles Huff, who's a really good recruiter. He left, but I think, you know, that Michael Johnson has, has sort of filled that void and become probably one of the better recruiters on staff. I think Marcus Johnson, you know, and that was a, I remember when he was hired. I mean, that was a big deal. Former Ole Miss guy now at Mississippi State, but he's been really good for State. It's a little surprising. Think hey Dad's phone line cut out. I, I guess with the 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 Saban comparison, I mean, is there any more? There, there's no difference in culture shock, and and culture shock maybe something that's even overplayed. Going from Pennsylvania and the Northeast to Mississippi, it's no different than growing up in West Virginia, being a coach at Kent State. Head coach at Michigan State, and now you're in South Louisiana. I mean, that was yeah. Nick Saban's route to the SEC. Yeah, it, it, I, I definitely agree. We, we overplay it sometimes that how, how different things are going to be. Football is football. Coaching is coaching. Recruiting is recruiting. You should have said it is what it is after all of those things. Well, I'm not Rick Stansberry, so I didn't. See, and it, it was he a big? Oh, it is what it is, guy. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, Louisiana in the opener, playing it in New Orleans, and it's coming up in 16 days. What kind of crowds Mississippi State going to take to uh, to New Orleans to start the year? I think it's going to be a good crowd. I think you know the last time State played there was in 07 uh, when they played Tulane there. I would imagine 15 to 20 thousand people will go. That seems about okay. right. 
So, and I guess Lafayette will probably bring a decent number of fans as well. I would well think they would bring the probably close to the same, you know, 15,000 to 20,000. So you could have 40,000 people there. Okay. So Louisiana Lafayette in the opener and then three straight home games. Southern Miss in week two, Kansas State in week three, and Kentucky in week four. If Mississippi State doesn't go 4-0 and in those first four games... Is there cause for concern? It depends on what. If they lose to Kentucky, I mean, you could you could say, well, it's an SEC game. I mean, it would be a little concerning. Lose one of the non-conference games would be a lot of concern. But they should. You're right. They should be four and zero when they play uh, uh, at Auburn. The uh, the road trip to Auburn is on September 28th. Then an open date. Then the schedule turns decidedly more difficult. In Knoxville on October 12th. LSU on October 19th, at A&M on October 26th, and then at Arkansas on November 2nd. If we're kind of breaking the schedule down in groups, through the first five games before the open date, you feel like four and one would be a good number. What do they need to go in that stretch of four games? Two and two? I mean, they should be able to beat Arkansas, and then it's just getting one more, but gosh... I mean, I think they can win at A&M. I really do. So they've, they've really had the upper hand in that in that series. Um, and then with LSU, it's sort of the opposite. Although the series has gotten a lot closer. You know, you think about State LSU for a long time was consistently a 30, 40-point loss. And the State's last three losses are uh, by two, by three, and by – and, of course, they lost by 16 last year in a game that was I don't ever want to relive. Yeah, two, if they're two and two in that stretch, I mean, you're going to lose to Alabama at the end there. But you got a chance to be three and one in November and be eight and four. Famous alums from Mississippi State. Give me the three uh, most famous. I'm gonna go John Grisham, Jerry Clower, and Sonny Montgomery. Mm, okay. There's a coin flip between Montgomery and John Stennis. Yeah, John Grisham is the most famous, isn't he? Uh, now he is for for decades. It was Jerry Clower. Mississippi State team number sixteen on the countdown of one hundred teams in one hundred days. Got a bunch more coming up with you, including a conversation with John Cox from Southern Miss on the Farm Bureau phone line when we come back. Hey, Dad, I was looking at the famous alums from Mississippi State. Did Mac McAnally go to school at Mississippi State, or just a Bulldogs fan? I know he's from Belmont. I think he's just a fan. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Do you realize he was ten-time? Oh yeah. CMA Awards Musician of the Year. Yes, sir. Ten times. He's great. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Look, it was a few years back, he um, did the national anthem at the Egg Bowl, didn't he? Yes. Did he do it last year also? <sighs> I don't. I don't believe so. I think. Somebody's saying. I could be wrong. Though. Or was it a different game last year that he... I'm, I'm almost positive, yeah, that he did do a uh, national anthem at State last year. I got you. So, uh, anyway. Uh, let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We are close to the start of the college football season. Southern Miss getting ready for that season opener against Alcorn State. John Cox joins us, voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles on the Farm Bureau phone line. John, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys? 
Great, man. Always good to visit with you. And uh, we're close, close to the start of uh, a season. How much time have you spent at camp uh, for Southern Miss? I know it's been hot. Yeah, it's been hot, but I've been out there. I've been out there every day. I go out there and uh, you know watch uh, probably two thirds of every every workout that they've had so far. So uh, it's uh, I kind of like it. You know, it's kind of neat to be out there and watch it. And it has been hot, but uh, that, that's the way it's supposed to be. But uh, it's been good. They've had some good workouts. I think uh, you know from the Golden Eagle perspective. I think there's a lot. Uh, a lot of depth back and uh, a lot of experienced guys. You know, Coach Hobson, in my mind, has sort of gone about it the right way. You know, no quick fixes, trying to, you know, kind of build it and get it back to where everybody wants it to be, you know, from the ground floor back up. And so there's a lot of guys that, you know, have been around for a while and a lot of young guys who are talented. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good year. John, Jack Abraham had a, a solid season a year ago, at times spectacular at times, maybe didn't protect the football quite as well as uh, as maybe the coaching staff would like to see. And and so kind of coming out of last year, it felt like, okay, no question, this guy's the starter. But Tate Watley has put a lot of pressure on Jack, or at least that's kind of from the reports that I've read. What's that quarterback spot going to look like in the season opener and then maybe a few games into the year? Yeah, I was, I was listening to you guys yesterday going down that uh, list of, uh, I guess it was pro football focus maybe or something, yeah. of quarterbacks, and I think Jack was 59. I thought they made a made a good point there. You know, uh, other than a game or, or two last year, and he was he battled a few injuries, a few bumps and bruises there. He had, he had a really solid year. But, uh, you know, Tate Watley is a talented quarterback, and, you know, he's had a, a year to sort of digest it all and, 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 and try to figure it out. A little bit, and they're really two kind of, to me, two kind of different quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Tate's probably more, but it's probably more effective as a runner sometimes than Jack is. But both throw the ball, you know, really, really well. So I think it's probably a good situation. I think I don't think there's any question. Jack is uh, is the starting the quarterback, but uh, I think they'll try to find a way to utilize uh, Tate Watley, whether it be. You know, in short yardage situations or in, in situations at certain places on the football field. So I think it's probably a good, I think it's in this case, it's probably a good situation. You got two guys that last year played a lot of football for the Golden Eagles. They both are, uh, you know, pretty talented. They're both real smart guys who have a pretty good grasp of uh, what Coach Hobson and offensive coordinator Buster Faulkner wants to do uh, with the offense. So I, I think. In this case, uh, if both of them see action, I think it's going to be a really positive thing for the Golden Eagles. Would you characterize it as potentially a two-quarterback system or more of a, okay, we have a starter, but then we've got a guy that we want to get on the field in certain situations? Yeah, I think it's probably more that. I think Jack, I don't think there's a question Jack is is the quarterback, but I don't think uh, they would shy away from uh, using Tate in uh, any type of situation on any part of the football field. So I just think it's a good situation. you got two guys who last year were able to get a lot of snaps, uh, you know, under their belt and, and get a pretty grasp of, uh, you know, what it takes to, to play at this level. And so I think that's a positive for the Golden Eagles. kind of feel like in some ways, John, I'm looking at a, a 1994 schedule for, uh, for Southern Miss. When you see a road trip to Mississippi State, a road trip to Troy, a road trip to Alabama – in three consecutive weeks. This one is not for the faint of heart early in the season. 
No, it's it's kind of, uh, you're right, it's kind of a, uh, a schedule that the Golden Eagles have faced before. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, Jeff Bowers, early years as the head coach at uh, Southern Miss, you look back at uh, some of those, there's some of those seasons where I think they played three or four home football games. And so, you know, Eagles have always been kind of the road warriors, but, uh, boy, that's a, that's a tough one to start the year. You know, Troy is talented. Mississippi State is talented. Obviously, Alabama's Alabama. So, man, that's, uh, that's a tough stretch. But, uh, uh, I guess you look at it the positive way. You know, you play that tough schedule early on and, you know, that helps you get better. But, uh, it'll certainly, they'll have to, Eagles will have to certainly be healthy and at their best to, to battle through the early part of that schedule. So the, the the trip to Starkville is in week two. I, I would think a good atmosphere for Alcorn State in the the season opener at home. How excited though are people about a, a second trip to Starkville in what five or six years? I guess this is the final game in that three game series that was was two for one, two in Starkville and, and one in Hattiesburg. Yeah, I think they're excited. I know I am. I mean, I love the atmosphere up there. You know, some of my great uh, great memories early in my career were some of the great uh, Southern Miss-Mississippi State battles, not only in Starkville, but a few here in Hattiesburg and up in up in Jackson. So to me, that's always been a great uh, a series for both ball clubs. Uh, you know, you get a lot of great uh, local athletes who have played against each other or statewide athletes who have played against each other in their high school and junior college careers and now in their senior college careers. So I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've always loved going to Starkville. I love... Uh, Love the atmosphere up there. I know our team will be excited about that. So I'm glad to see the two teams playing, and I'm really looking forward to that one this year. Visiting with the voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, John Cox, on your radio. He's on the Farm Bureau phone line. Ten starters returning on offense, or at least ten guys that started games on the offensive side of the ball back this year. How about the running back position? And I guess probably – maybe transitioning from from talking about running backs into what's back on the offensive line and can those guys be a little bit le- better this year so that the running game can be more consistent yeah i think uh i think that there, there's there's uh, a lot more depth i think uh on the offensive football team than maybe there was uh maybe there was a year ago uh a lot of a lot of young guys though you know there's uh, there's some veterans back on that offensive line, but even some of the veterans are like a guy like Trace Clopton who started at center last year as a freshman uh, for the Golden Eagles, but uh, I think there's some uh, good good players up there in the offensive line that, uh, you know, obviously you got you got to stay healthy and play well up there, but the running game, uh, you know, one of the guys that emerged last year for the Golden Eagles was Big Steve Anderson. He was a guy who came to the Golden Eagles as a quarterback out of Live Oak, Florida, and as the season kind of uh, unfolded last year, uh, after he had moved to running back, you know he 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 ran for 318 yards last year and six touchdowns, and he's put on about 20 pounds, so he's about six two two sixty something like that, and uh, is a is a tough guy to bring down. And then you got a guy like uh, Travinsky Mosley who played quite a bit as a freshman last year and rushed for about 500 yards and. You know, Darius Mayberry from up there at uh, Clinton High School and some guys like that. So I, I, I feel pretty good about the running game. And uh, so uh, I think I think that'll be one of the strengths of this team. And, you know, offensively, too, you got some veteran receivers back, guys like, you know, Jordan Mitchell and uh, Tim Jones and 
Trevor Terry and Jalen Adams, and um, I'm leaving somebody out. Well, Wes Watkins is the other one, yeah. So you got sure. Michael Harris. So I think it's uh, it's an offense. It's got a lot of lot of weapons, and uh, you know, I think I hope, and I think they will get better as the year goes along. Did Did you say six two two sixty for Steve Anderson? Yeah, <laughs> so, right in that vicinity. And he's going to play running back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's remarkable. He's a, he's, so, so he's, a, he's like, a load. Yeah, he's a load. Well, he does he last, move think, well? Or forty two forty five, something like that. So, so John, is that just kind of a short yardage deal, or I mean, anywhere on the field, roll him out there, and, and he no, moves they, well they enough that he can be effective? You know, they played him last year. They played him kind of all over the place, so in all kinds of situations. So, uh, you know, so. I think they got they could probably got more depth there than they've had in a while. So that'll, that'll be fun to watch. Well, it certainly is going to be here before we know it. John, always appreciate your time. Good visiting with you and look forward to seeing you and talking to you soon. Bye, man. I appreciate it and uh, love your show. Listen all the time and thanks for having me on. Thank you. That's John Cox, voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. All around good guy. Been at it for a long time and just uh, a good dude. Alcorn State week one. Back to back, uh, back to back to back road trips. Starkville, Troy, and Tuscaloosa in three straight weeks, September 7th, 14th, and 21st. Thanks to John Cox for joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We talked about all the different Sports Illustrated lists that have uh, come out this week. Borky, you say Sports Illustrated has released a master list of greatest in college football lists? It's about how it's gone, yeah. Some of them are entertaining. Man, the food one. Uh, the best eats in college towns. Neither Ole Miss or Oxford or Starkville showed up, but some of the pictures that they had, oh, man. Worth looking at. Okay. Don't eat any of it, though, unless you want a heart attack, but worth looking at. Hey, Dad, are you ready for the 10 best rivalries in college football? Sure. Number 10 on the list, a game that hasn't happened since 2012. Oh, God. Texas, Texas A&M. Come on. Uh. For years now, each side has contended it wants to play the other. Alas, no games scheduled. Number 9, Pitt and West Virginia. The backyard brawl which began in 1895, takes a 10-year break and will restart in 2002. Both fan bases seemingly excited about this. 2022, but your point still stands. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was one too short. If that game didn't exist, Rich Rodriguez may have a national championship. Yes! Yes! Who was the coach for, um, for Pitt? Was it not was that, Dave Wanstad? It was Dave Wanstad, wasn't it? Yeah. No, 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 no. It was not Wanstad. Who was the other guy? Can't think of his name. Maybe it was Dave Wanstad. I'm pretty sure. What year was that? 05? Yeah, Dave Wanstad. 07. 07. Uh, 07. Yeah, it was Walt Harris before him and then Phil Bennett I was thinking for about a year Walt after Harris. him. Who was after Walt Harris? Uh, Phil Bennett in the interim and then Todd Graham Whew. in 2011. That was for like 45 minutes, wasn't it? He got a full season in. Okay. Number eight, Mississippi State Ole Miss. All right. 
Here's what Sports Illustrated says. Arguably the ugliest, nastiest series in all of college football. In Mississippi, there's Christmas, Easter, and Egg Bowl Day. Some people actually call it Thanksgiving. Or the Civil Litigation Bowl. I'm very anti-Thanksgiving Egg Bowl, by the way. I'm not. Well, I think part of it, and it's a selfish thing, but I I didn't grow up here, and I don't have any family here. Uh, My family here now is my wife and my soon-to-be-born son. That's it. Yeah. And so Thanksgiving Egg Bowl, I have to make a decision. Either stay here and work or take a day off on the biggest game of the year and be 500 miles away to see my family. Thanksgiving Egg Bowl is for the people that – it went to Ole Miss or State from not Mississippi and don't have family in Mississippi, it really sucks. Because if you're traveling or you have just family elsewhere and you want to do a real Thanksgiving, you can't because of a dumb football game. If you don't like it, you can go back where you came from. Ooh. How about that? I almost went political, but I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> let me... Let, let me frame what Haydad said in a different light. What Go if you back look- to a state where robbery, they act like adults, is what he said. Um, you and I were very civil last year, Rippy. What are you talking about? Because I don't care. Oy. <laughs> he left you speechless, Haydad. Uh, he's, he's just so angry all the time. I don't know why. I think it's the, the opposite of that, isn't it? No, it's not, I, it's I, not I, anger at all? I feel, I feel, I feel hostility. Um, working the opposite of that would be, unless you were planning on taking the entire weekend off anyway. By having it on Thanksgiving Day, you could get up on Friday morning and bail, and then have a long weekend. Yeah, I guess I could. That's a good point, but I, I want to be able to do both. And selfishly, I can't. Number seven on the list. Florida State and Miami. Streaky series. Knowles won seven straight starting in 2010 after the Hurricanes won six straight beginning in 2000. Going back to its inception in 1951, there have been two streaks of seven, one of six, two of five, and one of four consecutive. Number six, Georgia, Florida. The cocktail party. Gators and dogs have been battling in Jacksonville every year since 1996. Winner of the game usually puts itself in drive in the driver's seat for the uh, SEC Eastern Division title. Traditionally, that has been the case. You remember when you had the two-year stretch, what, 95-94, where they were redoing that stadium and they played the games on campus? And Kirby Smart kind of wants it to return to campus. What would you think about that if they did that as a neutral observer? I mean... I really don't care. I am very pro play the games on campus. Like, even the Red River shootout, as cool as it is with the dividing line where you see the red here and the orange here and there's no overlap, you can feel stadium atmospheres through your television when you're watching. And see, I, I don't get okay. that when I watch the cocktail party. See, I, I disagree. I would say those are the only two neutral site games in college football that still work. Hey, and I, I would not like any more, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't want to see Ohio State-Michigan go to a neutral site, like Cincinnati, whatever. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the Egg Bowl played in Jackson or wherever. How many neutral site rivalry games in college football are there? I 
I think those are the only two. Colorado and Colorado State play in Army, Denver. Navy. Yeah. Army, Navy works neutral site. What was yeah. the other one you said works? Colorado, Colorado State. Nobody really cares, but they play it in Denver. Well, and Boulder and Colorado Springs are both about an hour from Denver, right? So it's a pretty easy trip for those fan bases. I don't have my Atlas out, so I don't know. Yeah. I swear there's another one. Another big one? <sighs> you think on that, I'll tell you about number five on the list, Notre Dame Southern Cal. said only a world war could stop this rivalry, and it did. The Irish and the Trojans have played every year with the exception of 1943, 44, and 45 during World War II. I didn't realize that that series went back that long, but that's pretty fascinating. Army-Navy, number four. I really, really want to go to that game. It's just it's a spectacle to watch on television. I couldn't Philadelphia, where you would want to see it played, or would you oh. want to catch it in one of the alternate side Red games? Red River Shootout. Yeah, we mentioned That's that. What Borky was just talking about. I said, what was the other one? And y'all said Colorado, Colorado State. Oh, oh. Sorry, I thought you were trying to find an additional one. No, no. I was trying to find the other one that played, that's played at a neutral site that I wasn't thinking of. Number three on the list, the Red River Rivalry, or Shootout if you prefer. Texas and Oklahoma. Those two teams have either won or shared the Big Ten title in 12 of the last 15 seasons. Played each other in the Big 12 championship game last year after Texas won the regular season meeting. Oklahoma came back and won the championship game meeting. Number two, Ohio State-Michigan. Do you realize that Ohio State has won 14 of the last 15? Yeah. Pretty remarkable. When you can, Michigan hasn't been bad either. They haven't been good, but it's not like Michigan's just laid down and rolled out a bunch of really bad teams to play Ohio State. They've been okay. They've been good in some cases. A&M, Arkansas, but I guess it doesn't really count. Yeah, that's a neutral site game. Or at least it has been for the last little while. But does it constitute a robbery game? I know it's neutral site. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't for me. Think about 14 out of 15 for Ohio State in Egg Bowl terms. And I don't I don't care who you give the 14 of 15 to, whether it's Ole Miss beating Mississippi State 14 of 15 years or Mississippi State beating Ole Miss 14 out of 15 years. Mass suicides. I mean, it, it, it seems a little unfathomable, doesn't it? Yeah. And to, and to Borky's point again a second ago, it's not like Michigan's been bad for the last 15 years. What is it, three of those games have been played between both teams being ranked in the top five? One of them was one versus two. And still, 14 out of 15 for the Ohio State University. And number one, you know what it is, the Iron Bowl. It's not a huge write-up here. It says it takes the top spot because both its pedigree of powerhouse programs and its pure in-state hatred. Why has the Iron Bowl gotten to that level where it is unquestioned as the number one rivalry in all of college football? Nick Saban and Bear Bryant. It's had huge stakes basically for the past decade. I mean, the, the winner of that game has gone on to play for how many national titles? 
Alabama has won five of them. They've lost how many? Lost, they've lost at least two. two. Two or three? Two. They've lost to Clemson twice. They went to the playoff and lost to Ohio State. So, Yeah. And then Auburn has won one and played for one. Wow. Well, I guess there's your answer. Alabama-Auburn, the Iron Bowl, the number one rivalry, according to Sports Illustrated, in all of college football. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. They've seen these uh, story floating around yesterday or a couple of days ago, I guess, when it came out. First-year Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze has given... The Flames program a little bit of extra notoriety going into the 2019 season. That's the lead on a story at CBS Sports. But according to the school, he hasn't been able to participate in fall camp since Sunday. That would be last Sunday because of severe back spasms. Liberty Football put on Twitter on uh, August 13th. That was a couple of days ago. Keep Coach in your prayers as he receives medical treatment for back spasms. Did you see the tweet from 24-7 Sports about this? No, what did I miss? Or maybe I did originally. Well, this is, this like, I I got to, had to click the article because the tweet says, Liberty coach Hugh Freeze steps away because of back spasms. And I thought, oh, my God, he quit? And then I read it. And, no, it's exactly what you said. It's He's just missed some practices. What a terrible headline. Uh, I think the headline served its purpose. I guess you're right. I guess I can't argue with that. But <laughs> they but got you to click the story. It is a bad headline. To your point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dang it, Rip! So, can't you just agree with me about one thing today? Jeez. Uh, I was agreeing, but it it definitely served its purpose. Yeah. Um. So don't know how much he's going to miss, how long he will be out, but seeking treatment for back spasms. That, those are rough, man. I had those a few years back. Not pleasant. Did they make? Did they immobilize you? Do you want to hear a funny story? Tell it. Yes, it's really. I, funny. I, I beg you all the time to bring entertaining, funny things. Yes, I want to hear a funny story. So I was on the phone with my cousin uh, Stephen Augustinelli, who runs the Six Pack Board. We're just talking, and I I don't know what happened, but I had a back spasm. I fell to the ground in my house, and I had to crawl on my on my belly, like like you know the Green Army Man that had to crawl, you know what I'm talking about? That was me getting to my bed. Pulled myself into bed, and I had a heat pad. I was able to roll over on top of, on, underneath the heat, the heat pad was underneath me trying to do nothing. Miserable pain. I was I was on the verge of tears. And I realized it's like 9 o'clock at night. I've got to go to the emergency room. I, I'm in that much pain. I okay. cannot get up. I cannot get up to go to my car. My wife, I mean, she can't take me because we have two small children. I'm not going to let them at this point. And this was it's like seven, eight years ago. So this is back in my, my days when I was managing the, the, the Papa John's here in town. We had a former MSU football player on staff. He was doing some grad work, working at, with us as a second job, make a little extra money. Okay. I had to call him, and he had to come to my house and pick me up like a sack of potatoes and throw me in his car to take me to the emergency room. And I screamed and I cried like a little girl that day. It was rough. So you need life alert for. Man, I could have used it that day. 
Did Where you was say that? funny story? Huh? Oh, it's you, funny. It was funny. That sounds awful. Oh, for me it was awful. But the thought of this guy having to pick me up over his shoulder with me—I had to—I put a, a pair of socks in my mouth so that my scream—I knew I was going to scream—would not wake my children. It was awful. Did you really ever consider thing. calling an ambulance? Nah, that's that's way too much money. Come on, man. Okay. So. But if you've fallen and you can't get up, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I went I went another way on that. So, yeah, I've got something like that in my house, and I, I don't know. So there's random buttons. There must have been a really old person that lived in the house because there is a light on the the front of the house on the right side. Clap of it. on, clap it, on. It's not one of those. It's like if you hit the button, it, it like emergency flashes. Is it, the light's been disabled now? But that's the purpose that it serves. And so somebody. It was like the old-timey life alert, like back in the mid-90s when this person lived here, that if you had a problem, you just hit one of the buttons that's scattered throughout your house, and this light to the right of our front porch would flash until somebody would show up to the house. Huh. Never seen it is before it, in my life. Is until it a red light? Like a red light bulb? It, no, it's it's uh, not yellow, but not okay. white either, kind of like an in-between. But yeah, it just it, it's supposed to flash to signify that somebody in, inside the house needs help. Hmm. How long did it take you to get over the back spasms, hey, Dad? A couple of days. They put me on some, some uh, good pain medication, which I'm not a huge fan of taking, but I took it because I was in a lot of pain. Well, What's funny is, well, I guess it's, nobody thinks the story is funny, but I had actually scheduled myself off the next two days anyway because I was going that night at like midnight to buy a video game, and I was just going to play it for two days, and I ended up not really playing it very much because I was drugged out. Uh, hold on a second. Seven years ago, you were going to take two days off of work to do nothing but play a video game? Yeah. What was the video game? Batman Arkham City. Pearl River Resort pick of the day brought to you by the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Couple of winless teams tonight in NFL preseason in the Dirty Dirty. We'll take the Falcons minus two at home against the Jets. Atlanta Falcons minus two against the Jets. That's your Pearl River Resort sports book at Golden Moon Casino pick of the day. After 5 o'clock with you, Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Ceasefire text line is open to you. The number is 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Nine five. Um, don't miss out on the latest deal from C Spire. You can buy a top smartphone on C Spire's nationwide LTE network and get one free. Yes, you heard that right. You can buy one of the top smartphones and get a second one free from C Spire. It's only available for a limited time, so you better hustle. C Spire, customer inspired. Uh, Greg tells us that uh, earlier we were talking about going to the dentist. He said, with God as my witness, I pulled a wisdom tooth of mine all by myself. That sounds horrible. 
Ouch. That sounds awful. I told Greg on, on the ceasefire text line that it sounded awful. He said it was. Brother, it was. Had a bag of ice. I had to be in a meeting on the coast the next morning. Did what I had to do, but I made it. All right, Greg. Yikes. That is no good. John in Starkville was convinced it was a lineman, hey, Dad, that picked you up. It was not. Can you say who it was? Uh, uh, no. You can't say who, what former football player picked uh, you up? You and, know, I, I don't have his permission to give his name. No, we're, we're not going to do that. Okay. Um, somebody asked, uh, oh, George in West Point goes, hey, Dad, that's a funny story. <laughs> It's funny now. Uh, we had somebody in the 601 say back spasms are similar to an actual knife being stuck in your back for several hours. You think that person has actually had that happen to be able to like, make that literal comparison? Just ask. You never know. Quinn says Greg's pulling his own wisdom tooth is like, Castaway stuff. <laughs> Jeremy and Jackson says, Wisdom Tooth Guy, Navy SEAL. <laughs> Sounds about right. Hey, it's time right now for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. They've got the Hurry Up and Save sales event happening. You can save up to 20% off of the uh, manufacturer's suggested retail price. Big-time savings on your favorite cars, trucks, vans, SUVs at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So the coaches' preseason All-SEC team is out. Here are the... Um, the first-team offensive guys, the tight end from Missouri, Albert Ogwubanam. The offensive linemen are Andrew Thomas from Georgia, Alex Leatherwood, and Jedrick Willis, Jr. from Alabama. Trayvor Wallace-Sims from Missouri, and Prince Tega Wanogo from Auburn. Lloyd didn't, Cush... Huh? Didn't that tight end get hurt this past week in practice, and they're yeah, both, worried about both, availability? Well, both he and Kelly Bryant got hurt last week. But Bryant's was less severe. They weren't worried about that as much as they were um, Mr. Really Good Tight End, whose last name starts with an O here. Okwugbanum? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I have not heard an update on his injury from uh, from camp. Lloyd Cushenberry at LSU is the center. Two wide receivers. This is interesting. Jerry Judy from Alabama, no surprise there, and Kalijah Lipscomb gets a big nod from the coaches in the SEC. No surprise at first-team quarterback, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Running backs, three of them. DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, and Jalen Waddle. I think that's Waddle. just the, that's on, just the way the, that's just the way it's copy and pasted. He's the all-purpose player. The AP there. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jalen Waddle's the all-purpose player. I'm sorry, Waddell. Yeah. Defensively, on the D-line, how would you like to have all four of these guys on your team? Raquan Davis from Alabama, Derek Brown from Auburn, Rashard Lawrence from LSU, and Justin Matabuke from Texas A&M. That'd be a good group. You win a lot of games. 
First-team linebackers, Dylan Moses from Alabama, Errol Thompson from Mississippi State, Cale Garrett from Missouri, and the uh, defensive backs. Okay, yeah, we got all the offense. Defensive backs, C.J. Henderson from Florida, Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton from LSU, J.R. Reed from Georgia, and Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. Hot Rod Blankenship, Rodrigo Blankenship, is the place kicker from Georgia. Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M. And the return specialist, again, Jalen Waddell from Alabama. So one Mississippi State player on the first team group, nobody from Ole Miss. Second team, all SEC. Jared Pinckney, the tight end from Vandy. Offensive lineman Damian Lewis from LSU. Logan Sternberg, uh, Stenberg from Kentucky. Solomon Kinley from Georgia, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, Daryl Williams, the center from Mississippi State, second team All-SEC preseason. The receivers, Henry Ruggs III from Alabama and Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Do you like Edwards being there on the list? He's a good player, and and he'll, he'll be the primary pass catcher for a good quarterback, so yeah. Okay. I think those wide receivers at Tennessee are really good. I'm trying to think back to my ballot when we did it in uh in Hoover. <sighs> Who who's the third team receivers? I think I put all three Alabama guys. I think I put Devonta Smith on there as well. Um Jake Fromm, the quarterback, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, LaMichael P. Ryan from Florida as the running backs, and Lynn Bowden from Kentucky as the all purpose player. Second team defense. Let's see if any of these names jump out. Uh, Nick Coe from Auburn on the defensive line. Linebackers Anthony, uh, Anthony Jennings from Bama. Dejon Harris from Arkansas. David Reese from Florida. The secondary uh, two guys from Alabama Xavier McKinney and Patrick Sertain. Demarcus Acey from Missouri. Cam Dantzler from Mississippi State. Second team defensive back. Evan McPherson is the uh, place kicker from Florida. Tommy Townsend, the punter from Florida as well. Go to the third team. So a couple of Mississippi State guys on the second team, Daryl Williams and Cam Dantzler, and, again, nobody from Ole Miss. Third team preseason All-SEC. And I won't give you all of these names. Uh, Matt Womack, a Mississippi kid that's at Alabama, third team offensive lineman. Uh, Markel Harrell uh, from Auburn. Uh, Jalen Waddell's a third team wide receiver. Lynn Bowden from Kentucky. Justin Jefferson from LSU. Kellen Mond is the third-team All-SEC quarterback. Three running backs on the third team, Larry Roundtree, uh, Deshaun Corbin from A&M, and then Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Actually, he's the all... Is he listed as the all-purpose guy, or Corbin is? I guess it's Roundtree... Yeah, yeah. Roundtree and Hill are the running backs, and then uh, Deshaun Corbin from A&M is the all-purpose. Defensive line, Chauncey Rivers makes the third team. Um... Uh, 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 I don't know if any of the rest of those guys are... Nigel Warrior from Tennessee, third-team defensive back. Shaheem Carter from Alabama, third-team defensive back. Those are a couple of names that you may remember from recruiting from a couple of years ago um, that Ole Miss was chasing. Not one player from Ole Miss named to the first, second, or third-team All-SEC squads. I asked this question when when the media voted. I'll ask it again today. How's Mohamed Sanogo not on any of the preseason linebacker groups. I mean, I know they were a bad defense last year. 
But he had 112 tackles. And certainly the line. Okay, here are the linebackers that are, that are on it, and it's a great group of linebackers: Dylan Moses, Errol Thompson, Cale Garrett from Alabama, Mississippi State, Missouri. That's on the first team. On the second team, Anthony Jennings from Alabama, Dejon Harris from Arkansas, David Reese from Florida. Three good guys. And the third team linebackers, they put four of them there. Michael Divinity from LSU, TJ Brunson from South Carolina, Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, Jacob Phillips from LSU. Are there really ten linebackers in the SEC that you would take over Mohamed Sanogo? Maybe the answer is yes. I Well, it's probably debatable, but he doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt because they were such a bad defense that he probably doesn't have necessarily the name recognition. Hey, how many people outside of the state of Mississippi, and I don't mean this as a disrespect because Muhammad Snug is a really good player, but like, you know, he kind of came on late as a sophomore last year. He's just now an upperclassman. How many, like, how many, I'm trying to say this the right way. Nobody How many knows people's his name? radar is Mohamed Sanogo on right now? That could probably change this year. It yeah. probably will. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Ohio State is trying to trademark an article. Seriously. Tell you about it when we come back. In the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line. Somebody doesn't believe Greg. They say they're calling BS on Greg and his wisdom tooth story. Richard and Wiggins says, I had a, re- a relative that tried that tooth-pulling thing. He got drunk on Jack Daniels and then pulled the wrong tooth. <laughs> says, even worse, he got drunk again the next day and pulled the correct one. There might be a problem in there. Seriously? Um, how in the world is Rodrigo Blankenship still eligible? Grandpa Blankenship. Uh, thought Sonogo would be at least on the third team. No Scotty Phillips. Somebody said uh, Momo Sonogo put up Willis numbers. Chris and Laurel says LSU had four linebackers or has four linebackers that are on the Dick Butkus Award watch list. And then Donald in Oxford asked a question. I, hey, Dad, you'll have to help me remember this. So Evan McPherson, the kicker for Florida, Mm-hmm. who was named second-team All-SEC, went 17 of 19 last year on field goals, was 50 of 50 at extra points. Donald says, is that the second-team second kicker from Florida, the five-star kicker that Dan Mullen stole from MSU when he left? Uh, that is From the Fort Payne, Alabama. He wasn't a five-star because no kickers are five-stars, but he was the number one kicker in the nation. Okay. And that's the guy that was committed to Mississippi yeah, State? he flipped, yeah. Okay. You don't agree with stolen is the right word? I mean, you call it what you want, yeah. I mean, he, he, flee, he took him away, yeah. I asked, uh, I asked Borky, I was like, do you remember? Is that the right name? And he said, Borky, what was your response? I don't keep up with kicker recruiting. <laughs> there you go. Uh, State's, State hasn't really missed out a kicker. Jace Christman's been really solid for him. So. What year is he this year? Christman is a junior. Okay. I remember what, what were his numbers like last year? Do you remember? Top of your head? Top of my head, right here, I think. Um, Didn't Mullen have a similar problem to Nick Saban, and he for a time really couldn't find an effective kicker? He had a, had a few years there, yeah, where kicking was an issue. Let's see. Jace Chrisman last year, perfect on extra points, forty-one of forty-one was twelve of sixteen, uh, kicking with a long of forty-seven last year. Yeah. So those are the uh, kicking numbers. Uh, 
Jeb. Hadn't heard from him in a while. Oh, my man Jeb coming strong on the C Spire text line. He says, I say Ole Miss wins seven with an upset over Alabama. Greg and Nettleton says, I've never lied to you guys, and I'm not starting now. You can believe what you want, no matter. And it's not us, Greg, that are doubting you. It was uh, another listener who said that he didn't believe you, that you would actually pull the wisdom tooth by yourself. I have no reason to doubt you whatsoever. My, uh, he'll get mad I shared this on air. I don't care. My father claims he drove himself home from his wisdom tooth surgery, which my mom... She disputes? Yes. I'm going to say he doesn't remember what happened. I had my wisdom teeth taken out, and I think I was kind of loopy. Of course he did it. Uh, I will say, uh, my mom drove me home, and I slept that afternoon, and I refereed a uh, basketball game that night. I actually felt fine, too, after the first uh, couple hours. Like, I got, I kind of honestly mostly remember going home. Like, the car ride home is a little fuzzy, and then I... yeah was out for what five six hours but after that night other than like the swelling i didn't feel too bad i know for other people it depends on like how the surgery goes and all that it can be pretty brutal i got kind of lucky my my question is about is about recovery time after a uh, relatively common surgery procedure i guess i should say that uh, a lot of men in the general age age range hey dad that you and i are in uh have when they along with their wives, have decided that they're no longer going to have children? Oh. Curious about recovery time. I'm getting some mixed reviews on that. Wouldn't know about that. Yeah, me either. What about you, Borky? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly no for uh, the the younger of us. No, I'm I'm curious. Uh, You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. How long did it take you to uh, recover and feel like you were back to normal after the snip. I guess my question is this. I know that I oh, yeah. basically need a weekend of recovery time, but my question is, if it were to happen first thing on a Friday morning, could I do this radio show on Friday afternoon? <laughs> Look, I don't mind going down this road. It's a very natural part of life. So Wait, ugh. are you unconscious when this happens? Local anesthetic. They don't knock you completely out. So in theory, you could do this on air. <laughs> Stick Bob a home. Next up. year, let's go. Well, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. My friend that is a doctor, that is a urologist, has broached the idea of whether or not we could perhaps do the procedure on the air. Nobody wants that. And not with video. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think he might want that, man. That's <laughs> not like I a personal a slight. I, just... I can't make on the air. Oh, gosh. Uh... No, doc- Dr. Harden has, uh, has told me that... Um... <laughs> What's his name? Dr. What? <laughs> Doctor, what? What's Brent Harden is his name. Oh, that's tough. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, boys. That is free advertising if I've ever heard it. Come get your snip with Doctor Harden. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um... Jeez oh Louise, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got that office so, scene pulled up, by the way, if you want me to play it. So, so he... That's not really his name. He has, um... He has asked... You know, we talked about whether or not this is something that could, uh, could happen on the air. Ah. Uh. I mean, we have remote broadcast equipment. Oh, my God. I'm not going to be knocked out completely cold. All right. We have lots of responses, by the way. Lots of responses. Dr. Scissors. Uh, Cody <laughs> says, you wouldn't want to do the show the same day, but I had more than local anesthetic. Okay. Wow. Holy cow, guys. <laughs> I mean, like, I want to read these responses, but they're coming in so fast. This is fantastic. <laughs> Is that uh, really the doctor's name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's at the Oxford Urology Clinic. Clinic. Uh, oh my God. Uh, Doctor um, Stifler too is there. Here we go. Have it on a Friday, and you're ready to roll on Monday. Somebody said it's not that bad. Uh, Richard, I've been waking up. Uh, oh, Jeb says you've been getting up early. And uh, he's got a couple of full-time jobs, so he hasn't been able to text us as often. That's a little bit of a non-sequitur, considering the current conversation. Yeah, uh, scheduled a SNP surgery during NCAA basketball tournament opening weekend. I've heard that or Masters <laughs> weekend is a good time. Hey, have you seen this text from the 601? Borky, uh, they're uh, coming okay. so fast, I can't read them. I'm, I'm trying to get to them. Uh, my urologist's name is Dr. Woody Wilson. Tony and Clara says they give you two Xanax before for your nerves. I'm not taking two Xanax. I'm not doing it. Well, you're not doing that in radio, presumably. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> he's in Hattiesburg. He's a real guy. Dr. Woody. Tom and Carthage wants to know if it's going to be a pro bono procedure. Jay wants to know. Uh, he says, uh, I, for one, want to hear Richard post-SNP, not during SNP. Eric in Batesville says, no, you couldn't. Three days swapping out bags of frozen peas is a must. <laughs> ah. My father and best friend were back to work in five days or so, but both were in pain for nearly four weeks. That's from Hal. Yeesh. Good Lord. Cody and Petal says, you wouldn't want to do the show the same day. I may have read that one already. Uh, two gr days, but don't cut the grass. Okay. What? Somebody's laugh sounds like Burt Reynolds. That's me. Uh, Curry says uh, we're, we're killing him. <laughs> what? Why Derek would you and cut the grass? What's? I don't know. I guess I guess if you got like a a, a riding mower, you don't want it. Yet. Okay. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Derek and Greenwood says this is one hundred percent better than the Denzel interview. <laughs> what is odd? How many snips are there? Like, is there an honorary snip, or does the doctor have to do all of them? <laughs> what? Like, how, how, is it how like does when you have the go? baby? Uh, they let you, you know, they let somebody, you know, they let you do it. I assume it, it's not like then... a ribbon cutting type of deal. <laughs> <laughs> Those are for grand openings. This is a grand closing. Where's the get back to sports guy when you need him? Was <laughs> a text message. Uh, Richard and Wigan says this is the best show in a while. Oh. Scott and Clinton says, uh, I grew up in North Carolina. Men used to schedule that procedure at the beginning of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament so that they could watch all the games while your significant other can uh, take care of the kids. Smart. 
I like Keith that. says, you know, doctors cut off the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Gracious. It's not Dr. Harden. He's got a steady hand. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.